0: Sing number 755, when the roll is called up yonder, and after this, Andy will uh, bring us the message. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright, and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the the roll is is called called up yonder, yonder, when the the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. there. when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there.
1: Good morning, church family. It is good to be here. I'm happy to be here with you. Hope that you are as well. Glad that we can get together and worship God this morning. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you. If you're traveling through, if you're visiting family, if you're just on the road, we thank you for taking the time to stop uh, and to worship God. We uh, celebrate that with you. We think that's a wonderful thing, and we're glad that we can uh, be here to be with you to worship our God. If you are one of our visitors, we invite you to, we ask you to uh, fill out one of those blue cards on the back of the pew in front of you so we can have a record of your attendance. We'd love to reach out, see if there's any way that we can help you on your journey uh, towards heaven. Uh, this morning we're continuing our series called The Waiting Room and this morning specifically we're talking about are we waiting as we wait for the Lord, whether that's waiting for the Lord to come back again and to take us to our eternal home or we're waiting on something that God is doing for us, are we waiting impatiently or are we waiting expectantly? Uh, so we'll look at the parable of the ten virgins, that's in Matthew chapter 25, if you want to turn in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 25 will be there shortly. Uh, if you're using one of our pew Bibles, that starts on page 830, page 830. Uh, so we'll be there in just a few minutes, but before we get into that, I want to uh, make sure that uh, you guys are aware of a few things, I think John alluded to it in his prayer earlier, uh, but starting this Wednesday, we're having another special series uh, starting this Wednesday uh, as we think about uh, things that God would have us to think about in order to make this Christian life easier. Uh, so on Wednesday nights at 6.30, uh, we'll have our normal kids' classes and all of those will be going on. Uh, but all of our adults will meet over in the small auditorium. We'll have a time of singing. Most of the time we'll actually be singing, but then we'll have various men who are gonna think, help us to think on uh, those things that uh, Paul tells the Philippians in Philippians chapter four, things that are noble, things that are noteworthy, things that are honorable, things that are, are godly, all of those things that will help us to think about and to set our minds on things above as we live this life. So, I hope that you'll be a part of that. Also, each Wednesday night, we're calling it the Summer of Sweet Fellowship. So, after Bible class, our kids will join us and the adults, and we'll go to our fellowship hall and we will have some sort of a sweet dessert. I believe this week is ice cream. Uh, so, if you want to come and be a part of that, we would encourage you to do that. What a great opportunity it'd be for you to invite a, fr- a family friend, uh, a neighbor, uh, someone with kids to come and to be a part of that. Speaking of inviting kids, we're a week today uh, from Vacation Bible School. Uh, Vacation Bible School starts next Sunday night. Uh, So if you uh, are coming to that, be excited about it. If you want to help, I believe there is a work day this week, every day, uh, from 9 to 3, 9 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. And I'm sure Rachel and her crew uh, could use all the help that you can get. So if you can come and, and join us for any of that time, we would certainly appreciate that. Speaking of our youth, we have two youth interns this summer that I want to make sure that you uh, know them. So I'm going to embarrass them again like I did last Sunday night and ask them to stand. Addie and Jameson uh, are our two uh, summer youth interns for the youth group. And if uh, you can come and get to know them and maybe take them out to a meal or something like that, maybe take them to your home and have a, a four square meal for them. How often do college students get that? That might be a good thing for you to do for them. So appreciate them being here. I appreciate all the work that's going on. I know Vacation Bible School uh, can be something that we can, some of us at least, if you don't have kids, we can overlook it, Uh, but it is foundational. Uh, It's one of the things that we use for our kids and that we use to hopefully reach out to our community and the kids in our community and say, hey, we want you to know about Jesus. Uh, We're studying some of the book of Matthew this year in Vacation Bible School. So if you have uh, kids uh, in your neighborhood, uh, if you have family friends that have little kids, please invite them to come and be a part of Vacation Bible School. Again, it starts next Sunday evening and runs Sunday through Wednesday next week. Hope that you'll be a part of all of that. As we thought about the waiting room and we thought about waiting on God over the last several weeks we've talked about various uh, different opportunities that we've had to wait uh, some of them being uh, perhaps enjoyable most of them in our mindsets not being very enjoyable have you been here before you've been at a restaurant and uh, and maybe you you're there with someone and and uh, before you had an event to take them to or to for both of you to be together at uh, you decided to to go out for a meal but that but that event that you're going to with someone it starts at a certain time and maybe you even wanted to be there early uh, and then you get to the meal, maybe it's a, a great restaurant, maybe it's even one of your favorites, but when you get there, you can almost immediately tell, man... Things are going to be a little slow tonight. I've been here before, but, and this is a great spot, and I eat here all the time, but, but the, the waiter or the waitress is, they're just, they're just moving a little bit slower than normal. And it takes them a little bit longer for them to get your drink order. And then as you're looking over the menu, it takes them a little bit longer for them to come and get your, your order. And then it takes a little bit longer for the food to come out. And it takes a little bit longer for, for everyone to get done with everything. And then, and then you're waiting on it, and you're almost there. Everybody's finished eating. You, you've got uh, almost just enough time to, to get there on time wherever you're going but it just takes them a while to get the check to you. You have maybe a, an inattentive uh, waiter or waitress or, or maybe another situation you've been, uh, you've got something going on, you've got something to do, but you've also got a phone call you've got to make because something happened with your bill, so you've got to call uh, the customer service line. And what do you hear most of the time when you're on the cu- customer service line? You're not usually talking to a human, are you? First of all, you talk to the robot, uh, and then after you talk to the robot and you press all the correct buttons, you listen to a lot of elevator music, don't you? And I don't know about you, but when I call those, they, they, don't, they never have good music on there, do they? And, and maybe the first time or the first 10 times, it's somewhat, you know, you can handle it. But when you get to about the 50th time of the same tune that lasts about 10 seconds going over and over and over again, you get a little impatient, don't you? You're impatient with the, the inattentive waiter. You're impatient with them to, to bring you the bill. You're impatient with someone to, to, to bring you the check back so you can leave and you and your party can get to wherever you're going. You're impatient with the, the, the inattentive customer service and, and all of these things. And we can be very impatient sometimes. So as a Christian, when you're waiting on God, whether that's waiting on Jesus to return or waiting on God to do something move something act act somehow in your life are you impatient with God or are you expectant are you like a child on christmas eve i can't wait i can't wait till tomorrow I can't, I can't wait. I don't know what mom and dad got me. I know what I told. What I, I, I wanted to have for Christmas and I can't wait. Maybe even on, on Christmas morning when they, they, maybe in your house, they would wait at the, the top of the staircase as mom and dad go down and make sure everything's in place. Uh, and then they, they're, just, they're just waiting, perched on the edge of anticipation. And they say, alright, come on down. And they run down the stairs and they just, their eyes light up and they're so excited. They are waiting, but they're expectantly waiting. They can't wait they're excited about it when you wait on God as you as we all wait on God do we wait impatiently God when are you going to act God why haven't you done something already God what are you going to do God when are you going to come back and fix all these problems that we have in the world and get rid of all this this junk that's going on or are you expectant God I don't know when you're coming back but I'm excited that you are Jesus I I don't know when you're going to act but I trust that you will and that you'll do something that's going to be for your glory and for my good. When you are waiting for the Lord, how do you wait? You, sometimes I think one of the problems that we have is, as people, when we think about waiting and, and waiting on God, is, is that we, we, when we wait, and this does not just w- the matter with God, but when we wait on just about anything, when we wait, we, we think, well, if I can just do this or if I can just do enough or if I can just act, if I can, if I can, if I can, and sometimes that leads us into to rushing into things. And rushing into things, especially in the Bible, that happens. And and there, there are multiple examples, Old Testament and New Testament, about when followers of God rushed into the sacred. They rushed into something that wasn't their position wasn't what they were supposed to do we let me talk about three of them really quickly as we think about this idea of waiting whether we're waiting impatiently and when we wait impatiently sometimes I think that we we end up rushing into things maybe we don't think about it fully or maybe we we only consider our side of things but we rush into things and and religiously in our spiritual life sometimes we can rush things that are sacred Think about in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. And at the end of Acts chapter 4, Barnabas, uh, the son of encouragement, he sells a tract of land and he brings the money, the proceeds of that sale to the apostles' feet and he says, hey, use this money as you need it uh, for the needs of the saints. And then Ananias and Sapphira, they, they do a similar thing. They, they sell uh, a tract of land and they bring some money to the apostles' feet and they say, hey, use this money as the needs of the saints. But we're not told the backstory. All we know is they've kept some of the money back for themselves. So we have, to, we have to kind of connect some dots. We have to kind of say, okay, well, why did they do this? What were they thinking? We, we don't really exactly know. All we know for sure is they lied about how much they sold the track for, and they said, yes, I'm, we're giving you everything we got from the sale of this, this track of land. In reality, they didn't. They kept some back for themselves. And they present themselves as, yes, we're just as sacrificial as Barnabas. We're just as, as sacrificial as all, as, as all these other people. And they rushed into the sacred They rushed into the sacredness of giving back to God without thinking, well, this is going to be good. They they did think this probably. This is where I would think their minds were. You know, when we give this money, people are going to look at us and say, man, Ananias and Sapphira, those are good Christians. Those are good followers of Jesus. Did you see the sacrifice they made? Man, I don't know if I could do that. They're probably thinking, this is going to make us look good. This is going to make us look good to all these other people in Jerusalem that are followers of Jesus. This is going to be great. But they didn't take the time. They rushed into the sacred. They rushed. And they, they, were, they were not only quick, but they were rash. They were brash. They didn't think, well, what's God going to think about this? What's, how's, how's God going to be pleased with this? They, they must not have thought about that because they, they multiple times, given multiple opportunities to come forward and, and tell the truth and to be honest, they lied multiple times and because they rushed into the sacred, even the sacred of giving back to God, they suffered a consequence and that consequence for them was death. In, Le, in the Leviticus, chapter 10, Leviticus chapter 10, we read about Nadab and Abihu. And these are sons of Aaron, priests to the Lord, and, and they regularly would come before the Lord and, and offer sacrifices and offer uh, various sacrifices, any number of them probably, but it tells us in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 10 uh, that, that one time when they're doing it, again, we're not told the backstory, We're not told why, but it describes that they, they present something that is as strange fire. It's something that's different than what God asked for. Now, I, I, I make the assumption, and it's an assumption, that they must have rushed into this. Maybe it was a, a fragrance, an, an incense. They liked the smell of it, and they said, well, I like the smell of this. I think God would like this, so I'm going to make this decision. And, and they didn't take the time maybe to think about, well, what's God going to think about? Has God already told us what to do? And, and God makes the point in this passage, in Leviticus chapter 10, before Nadab and Abihu, again, die because of it, or afterwards, actually, he says, by those who come before me... I will be treated as holy. Sometimes when we wait, we we rush, and we do things that, well, I I like this, and I think this is good. I think this is a good idea. And maybe we don't take the time to think about, well, what has God already asked for? What has God already told me that he wants? And it may be good, and it may be fine, and in our our own mindset, it may be acceptable, and even a a big sacrifice for us to give something that, that we think is a good thing, but we need to take the time. To think about what has God asked for? Has he spoken about this? We don't need to be brash in that way. And then finally in First uh, Samuel chapter 13, King Saul, the first king of Israel, he's about to go into battle and he ends up offering a sacrifice. Now that sounds like a good thing, right? King Saul... Offers a sacrifice, that sounds like a good thing. Many people in the Old Testament offered sacrifices and, and, and offered just tons and tons and tons of sacrifices. And we generally think of that as a good thing. So we think about King, king Saul, the, the king of Israel, making this sacrifice, and we think, man, that's That's great. That sounds good. The problem was it wasn't his place. It wasn't his job. It wasn't his position to offer this sacrifice. It was Samuel the prophet. And, and Samuel the prophet, here, Here's when we think about waiting especially, this one relates to it. Okay, uh, King Saul is about to go into battle with the army of the Israelites against another army. And, and, and it seems as if the, the way it's presented to us in 1 Samuel 13 is the battle is at hand. It's, it's time to go to war. It's time to put the soldiers on the front lines and, and attack. That the time has come. And Samuel was supposed to have already been there, but for some reason he's delayed. Saul waits for him for a week, for seven days. And at the proper time, at the time that, you know, maybe he sent a a messenger ahead and said, hey, I'll be here at this time and this day, uh, and he's not there. He's not there. And and Saul says, hey, we're about to go into battle. I want the Lord on my side. I'm going to offer this sacrifice. And again, in our rational minds, we might say, makes sense to me. I, I might do the same thing if I was in that position. He rushed again into the sacred, not thinking about, well, who's supposed to offer this sacrifice? And because of that, it's it's from that specific sin onward. This wasn't the first sin that Saul committed and wasn't the last sin that Saul committed by any means. But it was because of this specific event that Saul loses the kingdom. That God says, I'm going to look for someone else to be the king of my people we think about waiting, or we're waiting impatiently, and when we wait impatiently for the Lord, a lot of times we, we end up doing things quickly, rashly, brashly, not thinking about what God would want, or what God has said, or God's timeline, of, or what other people might do to fulfill this, and if it's my place, or my role, or my position to do this or not. We rush into the sacred many times. In, in Matthew chapter 10, again, if, you, if you've turned there, uh, we read about... Uh, the ten virgins. And this is in a section of Scripture, Matthew 24 and 25, where it's talking about. Uh, two separate things it's talking about the the destruction of jerusalem which happens in eighty seventy, and then later on specifically especially in matthew, matthew 25 it's talking about the second coming of christ and so it's talking about something again they are anticipating and they have a number of questions about and in matthew 25 we've got a number of different uh parables that jesus is saying hey here's some things that you need that will help you to understand your mindset your attitude about when you're waiting and how you ought to wait Should you wait impatiently? Should you wait expectantly? Should you be prepared? Should you plan? Should any of these things? So I want us to learn just a couple of lessons from this parable of the ten virgins and kind of set the stage and understand it and see where we're at and then we'll make some application towards the end here. Matthew chapter 25, as we think about waiting, it says in verse 1, then the kingdom of heaven may be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Okay, well, let's stop there. Uh, probably a familiar verse, a familiar, familiar passage to a lot of us. We may know this story. It's one of the parables of Jesus, and we know a lot of those. Uh, but during, during this time, and, and perhaps even today, if some Orthodox Jews may still celebrate it this way, but when there is a, a Jewish wedding, usually what would happen is sometime after sunset, uh, the bridegroom or the groom in the wedding and his party would, would leave his house and they would travel to the bride's house and they would gather her in whatever retinue, whatever group of people she may have. And then they would travel back from her house to his house and they would have a ceremony and that ceremony would last perhaps days. Okay, they would have a big party, much different than the kind of weddings that we have today. But they they would go so so these these ten ladies these ten young ladies are going and they're they're somewhere along the route okay they know the route from uh, that the the bridegroom and his his people are going to take from his house to her house and back and the the plan is they're just going to kind of join in the procession uh, to her house and they're going to go and they're going to get to be a part of this this big party basically this big wedding this ceremony that's going to last and it's going to be a, a great time and they're excited about it and it says in verse two now five of them five of these young ladies were foolish. And five were prudent, for the foolish took their lamps, and they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil flasks along in their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. So here's the, here's the stage. The, the, uh, here's the setting. The sun has began to come down. It's, it's early evening. Probably, you know, the Jewish day starts at 6 p.m. Okay, so that's morning. Or evening and then morning. See that all the way back in Genesis chapter 1. Evening and then morning. Starts about 6 p.m. So, sometime probably after 6 p.m., at the beginning of the next day in the Jewish calendar, they've gone out, they've got their lamps. It's getting dark. That's why they have their lamps with them, part of the reason they have their lamps with them. Uh, But it's about midnight before the, the bridegroom gets there. Now, they're waiting. Six hours standing on the side of the road, okay? Maybe they brought chairs, maybe they didn't. Maybe they have some sort of comfort, maybe they don't. Probably what they're thinking is, hey, we'll get here and then he'll be along in about 20 minutes or so, you know? They're probably trying to time it that way. But it says the bridegroom is delayed. And again, no backstory, he's just delayed. We don't know why. Maybe he got cold feet for a little while. We, we don't know, okay? Uh, but But eventually they get drowsy and they all fall asleep. I, I imagine in my mind that those five foolish ones are waiting impatiently. Like we might sometimes, man, what's taking him so long? Why is he not here yet? I wish he'd hurry up. I imagine things like that, these foolish ones who knew they didn't have any extra oil, who knew, hey, if this lamp goes out, I'm in trouble. And, the, and the, the trouble that they're in is not so much that they would be in the dark. I mean, people around them are going to have lamps. It's not so much that they're going to be in the dark. But let me, let me try to uh, relate it to something that, that we know a lot about, okay? Uh, you, you've all been in a, uh, a car line of a funeral, right? What do you do when you're in the car line of the funeral? Your headlights are on and your flashers are on, Right? Because and that, that lets people know. Now sometimes around here I've noticed that, that they put the flags on the cars, and if you got a flag on the car, then then everybody knows you're in this this procession of cars that's in the funeral. What does that give you the the right to do or the ability to do? Run red lights, run stop signs, not pay attention to, to traffic laws, right? Okay, so so what's going to happen here is uh that their lamp is like their flashers on their car. It identifies them as part of this party that's going back to the groom's house to join in this great celebration. Okay, so there's, there's the beginning of what's going to become the problem. Okay, so let's go back uh, to verse 6. But at midnight there was a shout. Okay, someone, maybe it's, maybe it's the person leading the, uh, leading the procession of the bridegroom, says, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins, all ten of them, uh, arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the prudent, the foolish, you have no oil, said, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, saying, No, there will not be enough for us and for you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make purchase, behold, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the doors were shut. And later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, I don't know you. Therefore, Jesus says, Stay awake, for you do not know the day nor the hour. So there's the application that Jesus says, hey, you, you don't know when the Son of Man, you don't know when I'm going to come back, so stay awake. Now, it doesn't literally mean stay awake, but he means stay alert, be prepared. So what's, what's the problem here, though? So, you know, we wake up, they, they wake up and they want to trim their lamps, you know, they've got little little small lamps they don't have lamps like we have today they have little oil lamps okay that have oil in them and they have a, a small wick and it's not a very bright lamp in comparison to things that we have today not as not even as probably as bright as a, a kid's flashlight uh, but but they recognize hey we don't have any oil give us some of yours and and we look at the prudent ones we look at the wise ones and they say hey we can't give you any of ours and we say well wouldn't it have been nice wouldn't it have been kind wouldn't it have been like jesus for them to have shared some of their oil with these these foolish ones. And we may say, well, yeah, that, that would have been nice. But the problem was, back to what we said earlier, that they if they don't have their lamps lit on this journey from where they are to the bride's house, to the groom's house, if their lamps are not lit, they are not let in. Go back to the funeral procession. You're going along the funeral procession, maybe you're one of the back cars. Have you ever gotten lost uh in the funeral procession because maybe people are going too fast or or you know, somehow in, in the mix of, of traveling from point A to point B, going to the uh the graveside, uh you just get lost and, and you're lost in the in the, the procession and maybe you're you're you know a couple hundred yards back and you still got your flashers on, uh but by the time you get to the next intersection, everybody's been through and the other cars are starting to move. What's gonna happen if you run that red light then? Well, either you're going to get in a wreck or a police officer is going to see you and they're going to pull you over and they're going to say, hey, you weren't with that procession. You're way back here. You're not a part of that group. Well, if you didn't have your lamp lit when you got to the bridegroom's house, you're not a part of the procession. So the wise are saying, hey, I wish we had enough to give you enough for your lamp and our lamps to be lit long enough, but we don't. I can't give you what you need to be prepared. I've only got what I have so I can be prepared. So when we think about waiting and helping other people, yes, certainly it would have been a nice thing if they would have happened to have had enough, but, but they didn't have enough enough and here here the, the 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 anticipation is are they waiting impatiently or expectantly again the the foolish they they wanted to be a part of this procession they wanted to make it to the ceremony they wanted to be a part of this big party that was going to last for days but they didn't think ahead. They didn't prepare. They weren't ready. And the, and the wise were. They, they knew. Who knows how long it's going to take. Uh, maybe, maybe they knew the bridegroom. And maybe they knew he was a, a poor planner. Or he procrastinated. Or, or any number of things. But for whatever reason, they were ready. And the foolish were not ready. What lessons can we learn from this? Well, ultimately, and maybe most importantly, we learned the lesson that Jesus says in verse 13. Therefore, stay awake. Be alert. Be ready. For you, today, you and I, don't know the day nor the hour. The day nor the hour for what? Well, the day nor the hour for Jesus coming. When we think about this and, and we think about uh, our, our eternal home with God, whatever that may look like and, and however that is, what we know the next life look like, looks like is we're with God. We're with God and that's where we want to be. And what we know about this is the New Testament writers especially, those followers of Jesus, those apostles of Jesus, they had a very particular and clear mindset about the future. In Philippians uh, chapter 1 In verse 21, Paul says it this way. He says, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Yesterday, I was at a funeral uh, in South Carolina for uh, uh, an elder at the last church that I worked with. And in in South Carolina, in North Carolina and South Carolina, David Farr, you may have never heard of that name. But everybody that's a member of the Church of Christ in South Carolina has heard of the name David Farr. Okay, he he was a big deal. He was at the church that I worked at last time for 60 years. Uh, About 30 of those years, he was a preacher and the other 30, he was an elder. Big deal. It, had, it was a, a beautiful ceremony, a beautiful memorial service, significant thing. I know yesterday, uh, Sam Brown had a, uh, the funeral service for his father, also a, a man who had a big impact on a, on a lot of people. That's a, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Sometimes we look at the end of life and we say, man, what a tragedy. But not for the Christian. Not for the Christian. Certainly not for the Christians who live, has lived decades for the Lord. What a celebration. What a celebration it is when a child of God goes to be with his lord what a celebration that's what paul understood for me to live is christ if i'm going to live it's going to be about jesus to die it's going to be so much better he understood that he understood that and maybe we need to understand that as well in revelation chapter 22 and verse 20 john says it this way after all the things have been said and all the confusing language and all the imagery and all the things that we struggle to understand with sometimes what we come to the end of it is hey whatever it all means jesus wins i want to be on his side and John says at the end of it, in Revelation 22 and verse 20, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come on, Jesus, I'm ready for you. Earlier in Revelation, the, uh, the, the saints who had been uh, martyred says, How long, O oh Lord? When will you come back? When will you fix these problems? The New Testament writers, those fo- followers closest to Jesus' time, they had an expectant hope. I can't wait till Jesus comes back. Is that what you're like today? Is that what you're like this morning? Are you, you have an expectant hope for God? Maybe it's, again, not just for the second coming, but certainly for the second coming of Christ when he takes us home to be with God eternally. Are you expecting of that? Or or maybe in in other areas of life, maybe you're waiting to to hear about a diagnosis or maybe you're waiting to hear about if you got into a college or maybe you're waiting to hear about if you got the promotion or, or any number of other things. Are we expectant or are we impatient? How do we wait For the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's read a couple verses here and then we'll be done. 1 Corinthians 15, if you're using the Pew Bible, page 962. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52, and then we'll skip down and read 56 through 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, 56 through 58. Paul tells the church at Corinth there, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, we won't all be dead, but we will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and will be changed. And then go to, verse, go to verse 56 through 58. Now, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us, Christians, who gives you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Paul says to them to the, at that time and to us today, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain. This morning, I I want want to remind you of what I think most of us know or at least have some inkling or maybe some understanding of. One day, this life will be over, whether that's through your own death. And even that, we're not promised decades. We don't know when that will happen. One day, this life will be over. And there's something beyond this life. As a Christian, you believe there's hope. As a Christian, you believe there's eternity with God. As a Christian, we have a heavenly home with God. And we're longing for that. But there is something beyond this life. Are we prepared for that? Whether that comes through your death or whether that comes through the time when Jesus decides to come back and and judge all the world and and destroy this world and and us go into a, a new place, a better place, a heavenly place, a place with God eternally one day that's going to happen and we don't know you don't know when you will die and we don't know when jesus will return but i can promise you one of two things will happen one day you will die or jesus will return jesus himself while he was here on the earth said i don't even know when that's going to happen but he promises us that it's going to happen this morning i don't say that to scare you into doing anything to frighten you to um, Make you feel uneasy, but I do say that to help you to understand that if Satan has a foothold in your life, I want to scare him out of your heart. If you can look at your life, whether you're a Christian or not, and say, "I know this is not what God wants me to do," I know that maybe I've rushed into something sacred, and the reality is, it's not just a worship service that's sacred. Your life is sacred. Maybe you've rushed in making some decisions about how you'll live your life, who you'll spend time with, who you'll allow to be an influence in your life, any of those number of things, any any number of other things that you can think about. But if there's something in your life that, that you know isn't right, and you know it isn't right, and we all struggle with sin, so for most of us there's probably something for every single one of us. Listen, one day we'll all stand before the judgment seat of God. Are you ready for that day? I don't want to scare you into doing anything. Yesterday at that funeral that I was at, I had a, a man who told me uh, days before that who was related to the, the man who passed away. Uh, he had attended there for a while while I was preaching there and he, he, through his wife, messaged me and said that he wanted me to baptize him. I was excited about that. We actually went a day, a day earlier so I could study with him on Friday and hope to baptize him either Friday or Saturday. But on the way there, I got, received a message that he kind of cooled down on that a little bit and, and wasn 't as much about it. And he never spoke to me he never he never said anything to me on Friday, he got there early to, to have a study with him so I could you know he 'd been talking about it and studying it with other people, but uh, he wanted me to do it, so I was going to have an opportunity to sit down and make sure he, I knew where he was at and make sure I knew that he was committed to this this life that we live as christians and, and Saturday after the funeral, after all these wonderful things had been said about his his grandfather in law and, and, and there 's no way that he wasn 't thinking about heavenly things. I walked up to him after the funeral and I said, hey, I heard you're thinking about becoming a Christian. I heard you're thinking about being baptized. And he said, yeah, I, I still want to. And I said, well, you know, I'd be happy to do it. I'm honored that you, you're interested in me doing it, but, you know, I'm only here for today. I don't want to scare you into doing anything. You've got to make the decision yourself. And he kind of hummed and hawed about it and he said, hey, man, if you're ready, we'll walk back in the auditorium and we'll do it right now. And he said, well, you know, we're about to leave on vacation. What's holding you back? It was a vacation for him. What's holding you back? Scripture tells us that if we want to become Christians, we've got to believe in God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God because the one who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But what do we have to believe about God? Revelation, or excuse me, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, specifically, we have to believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God, and we have to name Him as the Lord of our life. Scripture tells us in Acts chapter uh, 2 and verse 38, uh, when those first people hear the gospel of Jesus about the death, burial, and the resurrection, they're told, what can we do about this, they ask. And they're told, repent, turn away from your old life, and turn towards God, do the things that He wants you to do, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. They didn't wait. As a matter of fact, and, and I know this is something that, that is maybe touchy. I don't mean for it to be touchy. But a lot of times in, in recent months, in the recent year or so, we, we've had a number of baptisms here. Praise God for that. But, but I've noticed a lot of people have, have delayed their baptism, have waited till family members are here, or waited till the next service, or, or things like that. Can, can I just encourage you and challenge you by telling you that in the Bible we never see people waiting to be baptized? when they've made up their mind that they're going to be followers of Jesus, they're baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins right then. Listen, baptism is not all there is to it. But if you miss baptism, you miss something that Scripture says, every person who ever became a Christian in the New Testament is baptized. Because baptism puts you into Christ. It washes away your sins. It gives you access to all of those spiritual blessings the book of Philippians tells us. This morning, are you a Christian that's got sin in your life? Not just occasional sin that you might stumble through, but sin that you're practicing, sin that you've fallen into and, and it's a habit now? How do you make that right? First John chapter 1 tells us that if we confess our sins to God, He's faithful and righteous to forgive us of all unrighteousness. He'll forgive you if you'll confess that sin to Him and pray to Him and ask Him for forgiveness. You, you are living in the grace of God as a Christian. Praise God for that. But if you recognize you've got sin in your life that you need to repent of, then it's your responsibility to go to God and say, God, I, I realize I'm falling short. I need your help. Please forgive me. And please help me go forward and do better. But if you're not a Christian this morning, why not? And again, I, I know we've got people that, that think different things here because we, we're a, a congregation of people with a, a lot of different mindsets. And I think that's a healthy thing in a lot of ways. But, but I want you to understand That if you want to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you line up with what God says in his word. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is a resurrected son of God? If you do, will you make him the Lord of your life? What does that mean? You'll try to do your best to follow in his footsteps every day. You won't do it perfectly, but will you do it faithfully? Will you do your best to follow Jesus every day? And will you submit to baptism? Because Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Peter says, baptized for the remission of your sins. Over and over again. It's an important thing. It's not the only thing. But it's something that a lot of people miss. There's no reason for you to miss it. And if you'll do those things, then you can know. Not because you're so great, but because God's so good. And he told us, if you want my grace, here's how you get it. And if you want to do that this morning, we want to help you. And then more importantly, it may be even than that, after you start this journey... We want to be there for you every step along the way. Brothers and sisters, I love you and I can't wait to be in heaven with you. I'm eagerly anticipating that. One day, we'll be there if we follow the Lord and we trust in his grace. Do you have something in your life that you need to change? Why not change it now? In a moment, Andy's going to come and lead us in a song. We'll stand and sing and I'll be down here just like I am every Sunday you know, hemming and hawing, holding my Bible and waiting on somebody. Listen, if you need us to pray for you, we want to pray for you. We, we want to know what's going on in your life that you need help with. We want to be here for you because we're your family and we love you. If you're not a Christian, it's not my invitation, it's not the elder's invitation, Jesus himself says, will you come? Will you become a Christian this morning? If you have any needs at all, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.